0: All right, well, welcome to week seven, and hopefully this thing can hear me okay. Hello, people that are going to listen to this on the recording. I guess I'm just going to set it like that. We'll see how it goes. All right, welcome to week seven. You guys hopefully had time to work on your homework this week, Exodus 11 through 13, 16. So you covered a little bit more, again, than we did the first couple of weeks, but it was such a good week. I hope you guys enjoyed it, enjoyed it. The Passover is really key. And as I've looked at it this week, I think it's really key to understanding the entire thread of the Bible. And so tonight, my goal is really to help us make some connections from front to back and see if we can't kind of see the thread of the lamb go all the way through scripture. Um, and I think we will. So if at any point tonight I lose you, please raise your hand and tell me. There's a lot of details that we're going to cover. Um, and I also want you guys to jump in. I really want to hear from you. So I have points where I'll pause and we'll definitely discuss things. But if there's other times that you're like, ooh, this just hit me, just interrupt me, all right? you Feel free to do that. So let me pray, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for the privilege of, studying your word of being in your presence of just knowing you I, I just I just love your word and I just pray that these women will also just see the treasures that are in the word that they will come to know you more tonight Lord I just pray that you open our eyes I was reading this morning how you open the eyes of the disciples and allow them to understand and I pray that for us as well And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So oftentimes, whether it's something good or bad that happens, we like to memorialize things, right? So I just off the top of my head thought of the 9-11 memorial. That was a very big thing that happened. I was in college at the time, so I will never forget that. I was in one of my psychology classes, and we canceled class, and I ran back to my dorm room, turned on my little TV to see what was going on. And then, of course, I called my mom because... Who do you want to talk to? You just want to talk to somebody that can maybe help explain to you what's going on. So we memorialize that as a nation with the 9-11 memorial, right? So good or bad, we often memorialize things. There's the USS Arizona, that uh, where the soldiers that were killed at Pearl Harbor. That's a memorial for them. There's the Lincoln Memorial. There's so many. We have tons of memorials in Washington, D.C., or all throughout um, really the United States all throughout the world. So memorializing things is nothing new. I just was kind of curious if you guys in your house have anything that you have used to memorialize maybe an occasion that you never wanted to forget or a person that you never wanted to forget. I don't know if anything comes to mind. I know I'm throwing this at you. My mom has a picture of just a four by six picture of, I think it was a mule. Um, and it just is what she thinks of of my grandpa. Her dad passed away, and that just reminds her of, of my grandpa. I also was thinking of our wedding bands that we wear. That's a symbol, or we memorialize, I guess, the fact that we are married, and I'm married to Craig, and this is the ring I wear to remind me of that. So little reminders. We have reminders of things. Anyone think of anything
1: that you've used?
2: We lost our first baby. David had made, like, a wooden box, all the cards that we received, and, like, the first sonogram, like, just kind of proof that it, like, I know you know it happens as a mom, but as time goes on, it's, like, something physical that we just have tucked away somewhere, but it's interesting, Lucy came across it, and just, like, go through and see people that were in our life at that season of time that, like, took time to do something thoughtful. So,
0: yeah, something
3: special to us, yeah. love that.
0: Anything else come to mind?
3: I have a letter that my dad wrote me on my 30th mm-hmm. birthday. And so I had oh, a new Freddy.
1: That's neat. Just like to, you know, yeah. Yeah. I love that.
3: They're one of their dogs that we had growing up, and then yeah. one of the, of the dogs that we, that Adam and I, had mm-hmm. together are both back there. Yeah. It's really neat, too, because when we're all there and they'll be like riding the Ranger and the Razor around and stuff, they'll go by and they'll stop there, and Aww. my dad will always say, This is Missy, and this is Snuggles, and they'll
4: Oh, I'm about like <laughs> the and the I love it.
0: But the great point about that is it's like a point of connection between generations then mm-hmm. that your dad can stop and go, let me tell you about, what was it? Missy. Missy. Let me tell you about Missy. But if that wasn't there, maybe you just wouldn't even think to tell mm-hmm. the next generation about this special pet that you had. So you can kind of see where I'm going with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about tonight in these chapters was huge for the Israelites. This was their salvation story so this I mean they, they still those who have not come to faith in Jesus still celebrate the Passover and this and as you read through other Old Testament passages this is what they come back to they come back to the Exodus and the Lord wanted them to remember it he did not want them to forget this amazing occasion that happened but it was very special So what did he do? He memorialized it for them in the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread so that hopefully they would not forget. Now, there came a time in Israel's history where they did not celebrate the Passover for a long time. What happened? They forgot. Mm -hmm. They forgot. And eventually it's rediscovered, this thing called Passover. I forget what king it was, but he was like, oh, we're going to do this and there was a revival that occurred that just that just struck me, but there was a revival that occurred with that king then. So they were to always do this, and you read that, if you look at chapter 12, verse 14, says, this day shall be for you, speaking of the Passover, a Memorial Day. We even have Memorial Day, don't we? Oh, there we go. But this day shall be for you a Memorial Day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Then jump over to verse 24, 12, 24. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. How long? Forever. forever. So he wanted them to not forget he was memorializing this occasion by giving them the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But little did the Israelites realize that this annual celebration wasn't just a retelling of God's awesome works, but it was a foretelling. So that's what we have to understand. The Passover is not just a retelling, it's a foretelling. It did tell a story, but it also foretold a bigger story. So it retold God's awesome works in Exodus, but it foretold Christ's awesome work at the cross. The Passover didn't just look back. It looked forward to an even greater Exodus and a far more meaningful redemption one in which God didn't just liberate or free a couple million people from the hand of a vicious tyrant like he did in Egypt, but he liberated the whole world from the inescapable grip of hell and sin and death. So it's not just a retelling, it's a foretelling. So tonight we're going to see how the Lord freed us and for what purpose. If you wanna write that down, you can. We're gonna look at how the Lord freed us. How did he do it? We we know we've been saved. We say we've been saved. Okay, that means we've been freed. So how did the Lord free us? And for what purpose did he free us? Or is there a purpose? So we're gonna talk about that. So we're gonna start in chapter 11. And we are not going to read all of this. I'm going to trust that you guys did your homework. And if you didn't, I think you're going to be real inspired to do your homework next week. (laughs) Hopefully, you did so that you can follow along a little bit better. But we'll piece some of this together, even if not, I still think you're going to get a lot of detail tonight. So, uh, chapter 11, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. All right. At that announcement, what do you think was going through Moses' mind? God just said, one more plague, and then he is going to let you go. I think we have to remember, he didn't know how many plagues there were. You know? Like, we're like, oh, there were 10 plagues. We know that there were 10 plagues, you know? He did not Israel didn't. So I don't know if you guys had any thoughts of this, but what do you think is going through his mind? Like when he hears that, one more plague. I mean, is he like,
1: yes, (laughs) (laughs) we are
0: almost free. I don't know. Any thoughts on
4: that?
0: Here we go again. Here we go again? Yeah. Yeah, he's almost there. He's almost there. One more plague. Look at verse 2 now. <coughs> speak now, as the Lord telling this to Moses, speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. Okay. I've heard of asking people for sugar.
4: <laughs>
0: I have asked people for sugar. I've asked people for butter. Flour. I have never asked for gold jewelry. Maybe I should try. I'm not sure. Our dog is really into stealing things from the neighbor's house right now. She is not asking. She is just taking. But so far, she has not brought me anything of value. So I'm still waiting for that one. Isn't this interesting? Has anyone ever asked their neighbor for their valuables? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how would that go over? It's just interesting to really think about this. You know, we read it and think, oh yeah, they were supposed to ask for silver and gold jewelry. That's their valuables. That's their wealth that they're asking for. How did they ask? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, by the way, do you have any gold jewelry <laughs> laying around that I could have? Or anything silver, this, I should like looking past the door? Was that a, is, is there a jewelry box over there? I don't know. Kind of that was really beautiful. Right! <laughs> yes! By the way, I could use that purple thread over there. We're going to see when we get to the tabernacle, they had lots of stuff to build the tabernacle. and This is where they got it from.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: They had all kinds of colorful yarn and thread and they had lots of gold because there's a ton of gold in the tabernacle. And this is where they got it from. But it's just an interesting thought to think about them going to their neighbors and asking them for their valuables, right? It's kind of fun to imagine that. Um, now, the interesting thing is that God said this would happen. We've already been there. We we knew this was coming. So if we um, actually go back to the burning bush in Exodus 3, and I can just read it or you can turn there. Exodus 3, verse 21 and 22 The Lord had already told Moses, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. I just have this, like, the mom in me is like, Here, honey, wear this. You know, and they're wearing... Oh, who knows what they're wearing? Are they like are they wearing tons of layers? Because it's just too much to carry? They didn't have time to let their bread rise, but they had time to grab the jewels and make you know, make sure that they had all the valuables with them. You're gonna wear this and you're gonna wear this. But what I think is fascinating is that the Lord had told Moses all the way back at the burning bush, look, this is gonna happen. It's gonna happen. But the cool thing is, he told it to Abraham. Two. If you go all the way back to Genesis fifteen fourteen, and you can write that down. You can go there if you want to. You don't have to. Uh, the Lord had told Abraham, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, meaning Abraham's descendants. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. So God had this plan all along. So what attribute do we see here? What comes to mind what do we see what attribute of god comes to mind just as we look at how he's trustworthy he's He's faithful he is provider yes i think promise keeper yes and i love just looking at these little details and then going what does this show me about god how can i apply this to my life right now i also think we might see his justice Mm -hmm. here also could the plundering of the Egyptians be payment for all their years as slaves? I think it could be they i don 't know how many years they 've actually been slaves, so I mean it says they are four hundred years in this in the land of Egypt. were they actually slaved those whole four hundred years we don 't know at what point they were actually enslaved. How many years did they need to get paid back for i don 't know I mean but it 's an interesting. Thought to think of, could this be payment for all their years that they had as slaves? So as I thought about this, I thought, man, we have no need to worry about outcomes. We worry about outcomes a lot. Mm -hmm. But we have no need to worry about outcomes. For the God of perfect justice will make all things right. He will make all things right in the end. In fact, God will make things more than right. For we have already and will receive far more than we deserve, far more than we deserve. I see that as a beautiful picture of grace here. So this salvation story, what we see then are these people exiting, leaving this place of terrible slavery for freedom, to serve God. And what do we see them living with? Gifts. Elaborate gifts. Could that somehow point to our story? I think it could. Ephesians 4.8 says, when Christ ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. That's Ephesians 4.8. What's the greatest gift? Now, other than our salvation, what's the gift that Jesus kept speaking of in the Gospels? If I don't leave, you can't get this gift, the Holy Spirit. Could this be pointing to the Holy Spirit? I think it very well could be. There's so much grace in us receiving the Holy Spirit. It it goes to that passage where Jesus is saying, well, my Father knows how to give give good gifts, and you're going to get the Holy Spirit, and you're going to know what a good gift giver he really is. I also thought about um, Ephesians 1, 7, and 8 says that the riches of his grace, which he lavishes upon us, more gifts. Or Ephesians three twenty two refers to the riches of his glory, more gifts that he's bestowed on us. So in Christ, we receive innumerable treasures along with spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit and blessings. So here's what I'm saying. The Israelites, we're going to see this parallel, were not liberated empty-handed, and neither are we. We have been set free, and we have not been set free empty-handed. He gives us the tools we need to serve him. Do you see that? And he gave the Israelites the tools they needed to serve him. They're going to go and build a tabernacle, and they're going to have everything they need to do it. Isn't that cool? You guys see the connection points there? with these gifts that they're taking with them grace upon grace lavished upon us as we come out of our life of slavery to sin and into relationship with christ there are so many gifts greatest of all being him he is the greatest gift his spirit indwelling us for eternal life but there's so much more we are blessed truly beyond measure i love that psalm 1910 declares that God's word is more desirable than gold, even much fine gold. They walked out of there with gold. What are we walking around with? Something better than gold, God's word. So just another fun comparison. They went and asked for gold jewelry. Well, we've got something better than gold. We have a great gift right here in God's word. So while it's really easy to get distracted by the things that we don't have, I get there sometimes, I get really easily distracted by what I don't have. It is so much better for us to dwell on the things that we do have. We have so much. So your first principle tonight about, they're all about liberation tonight. Your first one is we are not liberated empty handed. We are not liberated empty handed. We are not liberated, empty-handed. He gives us what we need and so much more. So much more. We are not liberated, empty-handed. And I promise we're going pick to up, pick up speed. We haven't made it very far. There's a few <laughs> things we had to talk about first. We're moving on to verse 3. We're at eleven three 3 now. Verse 3 says, "And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people." What do you think made Moses so great in the sight of the Egyptians? It said the man Moses became very great in the land of Egypt. What made him so great? I don't think you have to think too deeply.
1: He kept his promises. Yeah. Because God was keeping his promises. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly. Is that what you were going to say, Nicole? Yeah,
1: that and just
3: like, you know, I think of like how it is today, like, word travels, right? And if every time Moses speaks, whatever he says kind of like happens, Mm -hmm. then it's going
0: to travel. Yes. Everything he said happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone that can do that other Mm -hmm. than Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pretty cool. So he became very great in the eyes of the Egyptians and in the eyes of the servants. So who does that point to? I just said it. It points to Jesus. It points to Christ. So in that way, Moses prefigures Christ. The book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus is the better Moses. Moses was held very greatly in the sight of the Israelites. And so then when Christ comes, Uh, they still uphold Moses. You know, there's arguments between the Pharisees and Jesus, and they look to Moses as their father, and Jesus had told them, I mean, he did tell them they didn't believe it, he is the better Moses. He is the one that they needed to follow. But I just thought it was neat to see here how great he became in their eyes, and the reason being is every time he spoke, it happened exactly as he said it. It because it was all from the Lord. The Lord was telling him what to say. But it's, it's the same with Christ. Every time he speaks, it happens exactly as he says it. Now, after this, the narrative then transpires between Moses and Pharaoh, and the announcement comes about the, the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. All right? So if you remember, the Lord actually made it known to Moses that it would come to this before he even went to Egypt. If we look back at chapter 4, verse 21, this is before, uh, before the weird thing with the circumcision and his son, this is before he we ever went back to Egypt. Chapter 4, verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Interesting, right? That he had already told Moses, Hey, this is what it's going to come to. And so at some point, Moses must have warned Pharaoh God told him here to say this to Pharaoh. We don't know when that was. But there's been a warning already presented to Pharaoh that this would happen. And Pharaoh doesn't heed the warning. We know that. He doesn't care. He's not going to listen to the Lord. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. We go back and look at chapter 4. And the Lord said, hey, this is, this is every, Moses and Pharaoh both know that this is what it's going to come to. Um, now Moses listened and believed the Lord, whereas Pharaoh didn't. What got me here is that God gives us ample warnings. He warned him, and we have so many warnings in Scripture. We have so many warnings about the day of wrath that is still to come. You better heed God's word. You better get under the blood of Christ, because a day of judgment is coming. Hebrews 9:27 says that let's um, that go? Away? Everyone is destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. That's Hebrews nine twenty-seven. Now, for those who are in Jesus Christ, do we have any fear of that day? No, because we know we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are covered by his blood, which is what we're going to get into here. So there's no fear, Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Okay but there was warnings and there are plenty of warnings in scripture and we see that here we see god and we see him i think warn the egyptians with all those plagues they have been warned this is a very powerful god if we go back was it the one with the cattle where he warns them and everyone who heeded the word of the lord brought their cattle inside and everyone who didn't well you know they regretted it later they didn't yeah they didn't listen and then all their cows were dead <laughs> but what a great comparison for us to see god gave them lots of warnings he didn't just kill their firstborn son without first presenting himself to them and giving them opportunity so question for you do you think that if some egyptians had gone to the israelites and said can i come in think they would have let him in
3: No. That's
0: what I
1: wondered too. I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, if they were looking at, you know, but then I thought, okay,
0: maybe they were so separate from each other, but, you know, you could see them putting them yeah. the, the door frame, the door post, or whatever. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, can I oh, go? should we be doing that.
1: All these Israelites
0: do that. And I thought about that too. It's like, yeah. I know. So and it says there wasn't, a, i mean, I think. Uh, it's more to draw the point, but it says there was not a household in Egypt where not, there was not someone dead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously the Lord did not give that directive to the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I so, think if they had walked over and gone right. into the home of an Israelite, I think they would have lived.
4: Yeah.
0: That an interesting picture. Yeah. You have more to say? You thinking? No. no? Yeah. It's just interesting to think about, I think. All right. Uh, that was a side note. Okay, verse 8. Verse 8. We're back in chapter 11. Verse 8 uh, says that Moses went out in hot anger. Do you guys catch that? Mm-hmm. So he gives all the directives about the 10th plague, and then it says that he goes out in hot anger. Not just anger. I love hot it. Anger. Hot anger. <laughs> Our little old Moses, who's so too afraid to speak, right. is so afraid to go to Pharaoh, I don't know how long it's been. I like to think in my mind it's been like a year, almost a year maybe, that since the Lord first appeared to him at the burning bush. Uh, but we don't know. And here he is, not scared of Pharaoh anymore at all. You see what else he says in that verse? He says, and all these your servants shall come to, down to me and bow down to me. He's like, he is declaring, uh, your guys are going to be bowing down to me. Wow, who is this guy? It's crazy, right? So why the hot anger? Any, any ideas there? Any thoughts? Why does he deliver this message of the 10th plague and then go out in hot anger? He's
1: just foolish. Yeah. yeah. You're so foolish. I'm not seeing what the Lord has done this year
0: over the year. Long. I, I think, think, think so.
3: so. Yes. The fact that it takes ten plagues for mm-hmm. him to finally get the point.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And did it have to really come to this?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All these people are going to die. Yes. Yeah. Like he's really beyond frustration. Like mm-hmm. I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
3: After
0: the first nine plagues and
3: watching them all play out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. After all the devastation. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what the land looks like. We know it's devastated. So, you know, I think of the, I don't know where the worst part of Florida is right now, but down South somewhere with the hurricane, just completely devastated Fort Myers. I mean, you just, you think of, we see pictures and go, whoa, it's gonna take a while to clean all that up. Mm -hmm. I think about Egypt and I think about all the plagues that have destroyed the hail, the locusts, everything that's been destroyed. It's gonna take a while. They're in bad shape. And yet Pharaoh still will not listen. Yeah.
1: I think Moses is exhausted (coughs) at this point too. (coughs) He keeps going in front of Pharaoh doing everything that God asked him to do. (coughs) And Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. (coughs) And Moses knows how gracious God is being. (coughs) How gracious it is for him to send nine plagues first. Yes. (coughs) To give you a chance. Yes. And then he just
4: mm-hmm.
1: won't do it. Just stands up to me. Mm-hmm. and won't do it. Yeah. So he's got to be completely yeah. exhausted. Yeah. This boy. Yep. And I get angry when exhausted. Yeah. I just think too it shows pride, like how much, mm-hmm. how bad pride is. Mm-hmm. So he has so much pride. Mm-hmm. And yes. he's willing to give his son, his own son, just go. Yes. To, mm-hmm. to yeah. Because he's so
0: prideful. Yeah. So, does he not actually believe that it's going to happen? Yeah. Or is he just willing to let his son go? That's what I think. I think he's just
1: so, but maybe
0: not. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting thought, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, every other thing that Moses has said has come true. So, I don't know. Depraved mind. That's what's going on. It's in, like he had in... went that far. Now, how could he back down? Mm-hmm. So I bet mm-hmm. it, sure. I bet I it f- is a pride. Pride, yeah. I've mm-hmm. went Good this point. Far. I can't give it. Good point. Yeah. Oh, pride. Mm -hmm. (sighs) We need to pray against pride, ladies. Mm -hmm. Definitely pray against pride. Now, that's our story so far. Okay. Then the wheels of our story come to a screeching halt with chapter 12 and the first part of chapter 13 with all the details then of the Passover. So Moses had to fit these details in somewhere. And By the direction of the Holy Spirit, this is where they went. (laughs) Right here chapter 12, beginning of chapter 13. There was a lot of details. Why? Because this is so important. It's very pivotal in understanding the story of Scripture. Now, in short, I want somebody to give me a quick off-the-cuff summary. What is Passover? Just pretend I'm like a five-year-old kid that just asks, what's Passover? What's Passover? You all read it this week. doesn't have to be perfect. What's Passover?
1: It's when the Lord passed over. (laughs) The Israelites Mm -hmm. and spared them from certain death.
0: That's right. It's when the Lord passed over. And what did he, why did he, why was? why did he pass over them? Why did he not kill them? because of the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. So the firstborn of all the Israelites, by faith in God's word, were redeemed by the blood of a lamb. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. That's our story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. By faith in God's word, we too are redeemed by the blood of the lamb, not just any old lamb. So we share the same story. We have the same story as the Israelites. We just know who the true lamb is. That's the difference in our story. All right. Look with me at Exodus 12, 21 through 23. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Now I want you to notice it's singular. There's a reason it's singular. Why might it be singular? There's only one. It's really only speaking of Jesus. So it never says lambs. It always says lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, verse 22, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Now jump back to verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. The gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. We've heard that before, haven't we? Just love that. The blood blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, what does the Lord say that he sees both in verse 13 and verse
4: 23?
0: What does he see? He sees the blood. (laughs) This is exciting. It did not matter, first of all, what the house looked like. It didn't matter if they were poor. It didn't matter if they were rich. It didn't matter if they cleaned that day. It didn't matter who was inside the house. It didn't matter how many people crammed inside. There could have been a lot of people inside the house. What mattered is that they they listened and by faith took the word of the Lord and put the blood up there, and God looked at the blood. It didn't matter what anyone inside those houses had done. It didn't matter their past. It didn't matter if they had confessed their most recent sin. God looked at the blood. This is cool. He looked at the blood. What does he look at for us? He looks at Jesus. He looks at the blood of Jesus. Atoned for us. And then he's like, yep you are mine yep you are mine i am yours yep that's right he looks at the blood we think so much that god might be i mean yes we need to work on our sanctification we'll get to that in a little bit but we lay blame on so many other things or think oh i'm not good enough or oh this or oh that or oh that he looks at the blood he's just looking for jesus oh we've got and if you've got jesus That's all you need. That's what saves you is the blood of Christ. I just thought that was so cool that he said he looks at the blood. The wages of sin is death, but God will accept the blood of the lamb in our place. So from start to finish, this is the consistent message of the Bible. The wages of sin is death but God will accept the blood of the lamb in our place. It's called substitutionary atonement. That's a very big doctrinal word, but it is a very basic doctrine of the Christian faith, substitutionary atonement. Jesus will accept the blood of Jesus Christ, who is the true Passover lamb in our place. Now I want you to see this thread all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So think back with me to Abraham. What did God provide in place of Isaac when he was going to sacrifice Isaac on the altar? A ram. A ram. Yeah, a ram, which I had to look it up because I wasn't quite sure, is a male lamb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in case anyone else didn't realize that.
3: <laughs>
0: yes. So we have, we have a ram, but I just want you to see that it's the, it's the same thing. It's the same stipulation in our exodus story because it's a lamb a male lamb without blood all right so that is a ram so we have a ram provided in the place of isaac in the place of one person next here in our story that we're looking at tonight we see a a male lamb offered for the redemption of all the firstborn right okay now When the law is given, later on, we will see a lamb offered on the Day of Atonement annually on behalf of the entire nation. See how this is increasing as we go? There's a progression here, but also kind of a similar thread all the way through. Then came the day when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1 29. So we see Christ, the true Passover lamb, was then provided for the entire world. Do you see the progression and the consistency? Do you have chills? Yeah. It was so cool. It was always by the blood of the lamb that atonement was made. And you see this increase as you go through scriptures. Get this, 28 times in the book of Revelation, Jesus is referred to as the lamb. 28 times in Revelation. For example, Revelation 5:12, "Worthy is the lamb who was slain." It's always been about the lamb. And you really see that increase as you get to the end of the New Testament. 28 times in Revelation Jesus is referred to as the lamb. So here is your second principle for the night. Liberation is by the blood of the lamb. Liberation is by the blood of the lamb. Liberation is by the blood of the lamb. It's cool, isn't it? And it's neat to see that thread. Now we're gonna see more uh, more of these threads as we look at the details of the Passover a little bit more. But I just want to say one more time, it wasn't by works. Jesus wasn't looking at their works. God was looking at the blood. That's what he saw. And that's why he passed over them. Pretty cool stuff. The wages of sin is death, but God will accept the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, in our place. That is the whole Bible right there. Wages of sin is death, but God has always accepted the blood of the lamb. All the way through. I think, um, we don't know what it was, but even if you go back to Cain and Abel, he didn't accept Cain's offering, but Abel's he did. And if you read in the commentaries, they believe that Abel offered a lamb. And that's why his was acceptable. So really, from start to finish, you see that consistency there. Now turn to page 82 in your workbook. I hope you got to page 82, but if not, you can fill it in now as we go. (coughs) All right, so you have a little chart here. And this is gonna help us kind of go through some of those details, and then I'm gonna add a few more for us also. So, that first block at the top, what stipulations, just help me answer these questions, okay? What stipulations were there for the animal that was going to be used for this sacrifice? What'd you find?
3: One-year-old male one without blemish.
0: Yes, a one-year-old male without blemish or defect. So, it needed to be perfect. So, we see then Jesus was not one-year-old, but what I read was a one-year-old lamb was really in its Prime. And Jesus, as probably a 33-year-old man, was really in his prime. We also know he was without sin. That's made very clear to us. 1 Peter 2.22 says he committed no sin. Hebrews 4.15, he was tempted yet was without sin. So we see he truly is this lamb without blemish. And then one of my favorites that I discovered this week As I was reading in the Gospels, I just finished reading the Gospels today. um, In John 19, oh yeah, I do have it marked. Pilate declares him spotless, actually. And I had never noticed that before. So in 19.6, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. He just declared him spotless. I thought that was really cool.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Really cool. Now, where were they to place the blood from the sacrifice? Two doorposts
4: and the tops and
0: sides. Yep. So we have the two doorposts, and then we have the lintel, which would have been the cross piece at the top. And how did they apply it? With
4: hyssop.
0: With hyssop. Okay. So if you think about the lintel and the... What, what could this picture blood on the cross yeah so what i read is the lintel is really the strong beam that's holding everything together and i mean you just think about the beam on a cross without that you wouldn't have a, a cross so you get this picture of the blood on the cross now i also read just this week god's timing was really cool that in john no other gospel says this But John 1929 says, while Jesus is hanging on the cross, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch Mm -hmm. and held it to his mouth. So we see the carryover of hyssop. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was cool. All right. How was the sacrifice cooked and what parts did they eat or not eat? How'd they cook it
4: over, fire. over a
0: fire yeah so they could not boil it or mm-hmm. right. they had to roast it over a fire and did they break it up or was it the whole thing whole thing yes all of it including the flesh as verse 8 says i think it's 12 8 says it's also the flesh does that remind you of anything All of Jesus. And what did he say? Unless you eat my flesh Mm -hmm. and drink my blood, you will have no part of me? Mm -hmm. Ah, Mm -hmm. The flesh. You guys, they ate the lamb with the flesh on. Because it's pointing to Jesus, our true Passover lamb. Who unless we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, we have no part of him. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. And he's the whole sacrifice. He's the whole sacrifice John 19:33. So, in chapter 12, verse 46, they were not allowed to break the bones of the animal. In John 19:33, they did not break Christ's legs because he was already dead. So again, we see no broken bones, just like the Passover lamb. He was the whole sacrifice. Now, I also look at this and think about the roasting of the fire. And I just think about God's wrath poured out on Jesus. I think we have that picture here as well. Isaiah 53 does a great job. If you can go through them and read that later, I'm just, I think, talking about God's wrath just poured out on Jesus for us. You guys seeing the connections here with the details? Okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to skip the last three boxes for now, we're going to add a few more things. So how many days, if you remember, before killing the Passover lamb, did the family choose their lamb? Remember what day they chose it on?
4: Ten.
0: And then they killed it on what day? Fourteen. 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 Seven. Um, there's seven days of unleavened bread.
4: There we go. There we go.
0: <laughs> Here we go. Two brains are better than one. So they picked it out. The family would pick it out on the 10th day, mm-hmm. and from what I read, they would like bring it into their home so that it would make the sacrifice of this lamb that much more meaningful and hard to actually kill it, this sweet little lamb maybe living in your home, mm-hmm. and then it was killed on the 14th day, okay? What I see here is that we see the lamb then, this little lamb foreordained. They picked it out beforehand. You see it, foreordained, just as Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world. There's a picking of it out beforehand. You see that? Mm-hmm. Just as Jesus was set aside beforehand for this purpose. Okay, now, you, hopefully you pick this up on your homework. During what feast did Christ's crucifixion take place? What feast was it? Passover. Passover it was passover time when jesus was crucified all right so when jesus ate the last supper with his disciples he was eating the passover meal Mm -hmm. traditionally there are four cups of wine associated with the meal of passover now i don't know much about passover meals so don't ask me but i read this and i wrote it down all right Mm -hmm. So there's four cups of wine associated with the meal, which correspond to the I will statements that we studied in Exodus 6. I love all the I will statements. So here's the cups. The first one is the cup of sanctification, which corresponds with I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian. The second is the cup of deliverance. So you have sanctification, then we have deliverance, which is I will rescue you from bondage. see these promises that we're revisiting. The third one is the cup of redemption. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment is Exodus 6.6. That's the one we're going to hold on to, okay? The cup of redemption. That's the third cup. And then the fourth cup is the cup of praise because I will take you as my people. So it is believed that it was the third cup which I believe, is taken after the meal that Jesus raised and then said to his disciples, this is my blood poured out for you. And with that, what new institution took over instead of the Passover for us? The Lord's Supper, Supper. Mm -hmm. communion. Yes, so that's happening at the Passover meal with Jesus's disciples. Now here's something I, else I noticed this week, I about flew out of my chair. I don't know, if this is, okay, here we go. What, what, what does Jesus pray just hours later in the garden just prior to his arrest? Let me back up, okay. If, if the third cup is the one that he raised that said, this is my blood poured out for you, let's recall that that's the cup of redemption. I will redeem you. How's he redeem us? With his blood. That's the only way we're redeemed. With great acts of judgment. Where is that judgment about to fall? On Jesus. On Jesus. The third cup. Now, here's what he prays just hours later in the garden. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me i have never put any of that together before isn't that so cool remove this cup from me now whether or not he's really referring to that passover cup i don't know i'm gonna ask him when i get to heaven it's like question number 987 <laughs> i will ask you can come with me we'll all do it together but it fits that's what's so cool we see the passover we see him having the passover meal raising the cup and saying this is my blood the third cup of redemption that i'm about to redeem you by that's why we're going to celebrate communion from now on and yet it's through great acts of judgment which was the i will statement back in exodus 6 6. great acts of judgment that were about to be poured out on Christ. And then Jesus praying, please remove this cup from me. Mm-hmm. But he knew he couldn't. He knew it was the only way. It's the only way to save us. is that cool? Yeah. Okay, here's another cool thing. All right? What does God declare in Exodus 12 2? Look at the beginning of chapter 12. What, what does he say to Moses in Exodus 12 2? The beginning of months. So what? What? what's new there? What's happening?
4: Calendar.
0: The calendar. There's a new calendar beginning with Passover and with the Exodus. You guys, what happened at the birth of Christ and the coming of our Lamb? A new calendar. It started over. Do you realize that our dating system dates back to Christ's birth? Isn't that amazing? So we see a new calendar set up at Passover. And then when the lamb is actually born, the true lamb, we see a new calendar. It's so cool. You guys, the turning point of our whole dating system is the coming and the crucifying of the lamb. That's what our dating system goes back to. It's so cool. There's just so many great parallels, guys. How are we
4: doing? Are we doing okay?
0: Are we getting these details? Are we seeing the connections between the Passover lamb that happened in Exodus and the true Passover lamb? Okay. Now, I just want to take a minute. There's a lot of details here. I just want us to imagine that Passover night just for a minute. I want to get into the story here. I don't want to just skip over this amazing story that happened. So let's just go back. Imagine Passover night, okay? So they've, they've put the blood of the lamb on the lentil. Dad, maybe dad did it? Did a couple dads do it? You could have more, you could have family groupings come in together. I mean, a family of six, like my, we're probably not gonna eat a whole lamb, you know, so you get all together cuz there can't be any leftovers mm-hmm. or you have to burn them. That could be another thing, right? What would ha- you can't eat Jesus twice.
4: <laughs> you know?
0: You get one time, one time. He's crucified one time. That's why there could be no leftovers, okay? They're so they're all in the house together and they've been told why they have to have the blood on the on the doorpost and on the lintel. Are they freaking out? Are they scared? How many mamas are like wrapping their arms around their firstborn? Did you get a blood on the doors? I know. I know. Yes. Yes. Like, how many of them were tempted to look and make sure it was still there? You know, like you just kind of think about it for a minute. If it were us, you didn't do that right? right? <laughs> no. How many women were out there watching I know. their husbands? <laughs> <out there? laughs> <laughs> You missed the spot. Make sure the angel of the Lord sees it. Like, make it really dark. Yeah. Were they a little bit terrified? A little bit scared? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Have we ever doubted our own salvation? I know as a kid, I certainly did. Did I really do it? I'll do it again just in case. You know, and then I'd lay in bed and be like, I really do believe in you. Do you do you hear me? You know, you kind of get, but you can kind of understand those same feelings when you think about those families huddled inside those homes waiting for the angel of the Lord to pass over. And then they hear the wails of the Egyptians. So they couldn't have been too far away. That's what I and they're asking their neighbors for jewelry. I don't know. I can't figure that. I don't the spacing.
1: That's what I, wonder.
0: I don't know. I don't know how far away they were. It's over my head, but they could hear it. That's what scripture tells us. So just think about that for a minute, and then maybe not wondering what all's going on out there, but they were not specifically not allowed to go out of their door until they were told that it was time to go out of their door. It's crazy to think about. Any thoughts come to mind?
3: just so they would be ready, like, with their sandals oh, on. Oh, yes. Staff, like, yes. So it's not like a, take a nap and hope's better party, morning, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is, right. It's, like, like, such an anticipation and immediate reaction yes. that's happen after. So I feel like it's more just, like, a pins and needles yes. time. Absolutely. It mind of just, like, God telling us, like, we need to be ready and our anticipation yes. for when he comes back. It really reminds me of that.
0: Yes, I um, love yeah. that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It
2: also makes me think of, like, I don't know what the Israelites' disposition towards the Egyptians would have been at this point. Mm -hmm. There's only so much suffering you can watch humanity go through. And after you've seen the plagues roll out, and I'm thinking, what would I feel hearing women Mm -hmm. crying for their babies? Oh, man. And, like, how much more we need to see that for Mm -hmm. the loss. This is
0: so, such I'm a good being point, right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. We love it. I just,
2: you know, you talked about the people that maybe would have seen it and said, "Can we be in your home?" We don't know what that looks like, but it's like, how much more should we be looking at the people around us and do you see what's coming? Yes. So, anyway, Absolutely. I think I needed to say that because I
0: needed it. So, <laughs> so good. Yeah. It's so. Are we helping them heed the warning? Are we inviting them in and telling them about the blood of the lamb? Are we reaching out to them because they're hurting? Yes. That's such a good reminder, you guys. Thanks, Jessica. Class is over. Just kidding. <laughs> that was good. Yes. Anything else? Anything else as you think about that Passover night?
3: I keep thinking about the doorpost mm-hmm. and just like, I, no, it sounds silly, but seriously, because um, and then he tells them just this ritual of Passover and how he wants them to remember and then Deuteronomy 6. He tells, tells us to write these things on the doorpost of your home when you're coming and going so that you remember. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. constant, our constant need of needing to remember. Yes. I think it's really beautiful.
0: They yes. Sticky notes. Sticky, sticky notes. notes. <laughs> yes, they needed some sticky notes. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. Absolutely. Yes.
1: You know, it kind of reminds me, too. This is something we can all relate to. Is the very, very beginning of the pandemic. Mm. Mm. When things just started going upside down, mm. and I remember looking at Alan and saying, "Are we gonna be okay?" Mm. <laughs> you know, because yeah. in the very early part, my parents were sick, and mm. it was just mm. scary. Yeah. It was.